When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week, we're talking about toxic masculinity. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. It's your girl Livs, and this week we are talking about toxic masculinity, gender norms, and what it is like to be young black men in Britain today. And I have two very special guests. One of them people might recognise the name of, Josh Sanya, producer and co-founder of Bloom Studios, but also my boyfriend. Whoop whoop. <laughs> she sound more excited. She sound more excited. But... Um, and one of Josh's closest friends, Femi J, musician and Afro R&B artist. Thank you, thank you. I'm really glad to be here, Liv. So one of the first questions we always ask our guests is, what makes you a dope black woman? So to rephrase what? that question, <laughs> what makes you a dope black man? Starting with Josh. Uh, I think what makes me a dope black man is I have kind of forged my own path, broken social norms and really done whatever I wanted, whether that's making the music I enjoy, reading the books I want to enjoy, dressing a certain type of way. Uh, I mean, if you see my hair, it's like bright purple, for example, right I'm now. I'm really which enjoying is, that right now. Yeah, it's just fruity. It's completely different to anything I've had before. But yeah, that, that would be my, my definition. Um, what makes me adult black man, I guess, is the fact that I'm not the final product. I'm always evolving. I'm always growing, which is um, something that I've had to really understand about myself going forward. So yeah, that's what makes me adult black man. Well, I want to get into all of that today. But before we do, um, I said at the beginning, Josh, you're the co-founder of Bloom Studios. Do you want to explain what that is? The idea was to explore the the science behind creativity mm. and how, you know, as creatives, we use, you know, our trauma, our experiences to, you know, position ourselves with whatever medium we decide to use, right? Whether that's music, whether that's art, whether that's videography. And me and my partner, Nadim, have decided to actually I step outside of our partner. comfort zone. Well, my, my <laughs> second partner. Is, is this going to be the theme of the interview? I love this type of thing. <laughs> I love this type of thing. Oh, man. But yeah, it's just basically to just give, um, you know, other people like, you know, me who historically haven't had the most... Go and think about it. Yeah, <laughs> had, had the best way of communicating their, mm-hmm. themselves, like when it comes to the, the vulnerability side. I mean, we're going to be talking about toxic masculinity anyway. Mm-hmm. So the handles Bloom X Studios. Um, that's on Instagram, Twitter, and all the other handles are soon to follow. So yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about toxic masculinity today is the role that young men have in society is something we have been talking about a lot in Mm. the last month um, following the tragic death of Sarah Everard, Mm. 33-year-old woman from South London who went missing after leaving a friend's house in Clapham and a Metropolitan Police officer has since been arrested for her kidnapping and murder. Mm. As men... What has it been like to watch that story unfold and all the conversations that have fallen out as a result? 
It's been crazy because I have to say at the beginning, I wasn't paying too much attention to it because of the whole Meghan Markle um, situation that was before that. And it was a mad it, week. Yeah, it was, it's been a crazy <laughs> week. Just before, like, bruv, it's been crazy. So I wasn't paying attention to it too much. And I found it kind of like rapid fire how women are going through it right now. Mm. And then it makes you realise it's not just a right now thing. It's been through history that women have been going through it. Like, you have to have a proper reflection period on like even though this is in the media right now this is something that women have had to deal with for a long time and like it just makes it so obvious that just feeling safe is something that women are dealing with yeah josh what about you it's been polarizing for two reasons um as you said that week leading up to these events has been yeah it's been harrowing to watch the right. treatment of Meghan markle when it comes to you know, just the the gaslighting on on mainstream media from like Pierce Morgan and other fig, um, high level figures. Big Pierce. But then also, like, let's be honest, it's a shame to kind of say this, but if it was, you know, a minority that had been killed in the same way as Sever Everett, would we see as much outcry already with it? Black women, so we have. Yeah, to no, go okay, there, right? it's true. But okay, like, look, let's let's think about that for a second. Like, there's been so many cases of other minority groups being killed by policemen, being killed by any individual, whether it's walking from home, whether that's, you know, all these different circumstances, but there's never been the kind of public outcries that has been with this individual case. Now, I guess that's a benefit for all women because it gives mm. a spotlight on the problem, which is like you said, you know, we live in a patriarchal society. Mm. At the end of the day, we as men, we have so many privileges just from having balls between yeah. our legs, right? Like, as you, I can pop out of my house at midnight and not worry about anyone at all doing anything to me. If anything, they're scared of me because they see me walking around jiving with my because fucking Because we're hair. black men, to exactly. be fair. We're like the biggest predator on the market. There's that fear. But yeah. then at the same time, it's, it's also been insightful that we as men also have a duty to be able mm. to provide a platform for other men to speak about this type of thing. I will say on the Sarah Everard case, mm. I think one of the reasons why it struck a chord with so many people and probably what I thought was the scariest part is that she was taken at 9pm mm. on a main road. Mm. You know, I think that blew apart the narrative we're used to, which mm. is like, don't leave the club by yourself. Like, don't get mm. drunk and get mm. home in an Uber by yourself. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I've left work like later than 9pm. Yeah. And I think a case like this really kind of shattered those sort of stereotypes, mm. which I think is important. Um, when it comes to black men specifically, mm. I think, and this isn't all black men, of course. Obviously, we know we're because, not talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah obviously, obviously. But, um, you know, because black men have such a bad relationship with establishment and with the police and with mm. the criminal justice system, it's hard to engage in a conversation where they're the ones at fault. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, was, I think black men are more likely to be like, can't trust the government, you mm. can't trust police, you can't trust the law, they don't protect black men, Yeah, you know? And so it's hard to then engage with a conversation about women's rights and violence yeah. against women. See, I agree with that to a large degree, yeah. However, how I've been looking at it, yeah, because let's take this, um, this statistics that's been going along that 97 of women, yeah, have been harassed. To me, that doesn't tell me that it's this 5% of boys running around being creeps. That right. tells me that nine out of 10 of us boys have done something that a woman can find inappropriate or something that she doesn't like. And I'm thinking, well, why is that? Because if I look at my friendship circle, I would, our friendship circle, I would say no one there is a creep. No one there is like that. But the odds are is that 90% of us have actually done something like that. 
Mm-hmm. So you have to think, why is that? Because I know these guys' hearts, I know they're genuine, so I know they wouldn't be like that. So it tells me that boys are doing something that they're unaware is incorrect and wrong, and they're doing it to these women, and it's making these women feel these way. So that's the way I feel like it's about a real education. It's about a real understanding about what are the limits that you can do and how to really interact with people. Because I wouldn't think Sony would do that, and I hope you guys wouldn't think me do that. But it tells me that there's some education that we don't have, which is why I think as black men, we have to start having more conversation with women to be like look educate me on how you want us to be approached what you think that we are doing or what's a common thing that you think that loads of men are doing that you don't feel comfortable with and let us know that so we can educate and then educate our friends around us because that's what i feel like is happening i feel like it's a lack of education i was taught about how to interact with women literally from the from the streets for mm. being honest how my boy how my <laughs> some toxic men i used to know used to talk about sex how porn mm. was about sex those are the ways that current men are kind of being brought up. This is why social media can be either a blessing or a curse, depending on which angle you look at it. One of the good things that's come from this is, you know, I've seen many of my male friends posting um, reposts of people from Twitter saying, mm. even though you aren't someone that will rape a woman, please bear in mind that some of your unconscious actions, as you mentioned, can lead to this type of feeling. Mm. Like you, Olivia told me before that, Rape culture starts as a pyramid, as you mentioned. Mm. Locker room chat, inappropriate comments, catcalling, and then it kind of leads further and further up until the actual act of rape. Mm. And so there's things which I read on this list and that made me think twice, like, okay, if I'm jogging late at night, for example, pass her wide. It's just like you said, it's, mm. it's not a problem about victimizing the person that has suffered the abuse mm. at the hands of the abuser it's more actually educating the person that is in the position of power in this particular context prevention is always better than as cure to how to do this That's right. what it is, yeah. and it's like this is why the fact that you and i are on this program and talking about this topic means mm. that we will be able to educate our kids because let's be honest like you said there's times when you're younger and you're in the club and you're you're a bit persistent mm. and you know for me i'm i'm glad mm. and again hopefully god is my witness here that my emotional intelligence kicks yeah exactly let me know it could have gone left for us, yeah. you know, it it's really like could have gone left. God yeah. would have, like in my head, it's like you kind of. I've always been very hyper vigilant of my own feelings and mm-hmm. everyone else's, and so when I was moving to someone, I can feel they're a bit like, yeah. "What's going on here?" Yeah. It's like, let me stop. Yeah, let, let yeah, me. Yeah, let yeah. me You've got that emotional intelligence to be able to be like, she's not on it. But some people (laughs) may interpret that as, nah, she's playing hard to get. Let me pursue that. Some people even think that it is my job to turn you into the mood, innit? Mm. Some people think that as a man, my game is she went on it and then I was so lit, yeah, that she's had her legs open. That's not how it is. I heard that consent should be enthusiastically given. That's Mm. not enthusiastic, innit? Come on, babe. Have you heard tea? Have you heard the tea analogy? I've never heard the tea analogy. I'll let our host talk about this one. Consent is like a cup of tea. Uh So I could say to you, oh, Femi, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. And you could say, yeah, yeah, great. I would love one. Yeah. By the time I've boiled the water and had the milk or whatever, and I give you the cup of tea, you'd be like, oh, actually, I'm not in the mood anymore. I'm not going to now force you to drink that cup. Open your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Drink it. Also, someone who's unconscious cannot drink a cup of tea. <laughs> Sorry, someone that's not funny, but... Someone who is it, yeah. intoxicated cannot have Good. a cup of tea. Mm. You know what I mean? And when you think about it like that, it's so simple because mm. you guys both mentioned um, sex education. And, you know, I think a lot of parents, one of the big concerns is, oh, they're too young. Mm. They're too young to talk about sex, but, you know. Uh, but it doesn't always have to be in that light. Like, I remember having a conversation with a teacher who said, you know, you could introduce consent as a pencil. Mm. Like, you can't just take people's stuff without mm. asking them mm. you can't just and if they yeah, say the concept no of consent you can't just, just yeah. take it yeah. you know what I mean like yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be directly linked to sex it yeah. can 
it's just in general how you treat people yeah actually that's 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 really true actually we need to bring it in on just the basic level of consent being a primary thing that you need from another human being in yeah. general. And then really when you get to an age where it's appropriate to talk about sex, mm-hmm. it should be common knowledge because you've already been told from young yeah. what consent is. A lot of boys, yeah, we're doing it. It's that we're, it's trial so and error, funny. but our errors are enough to scar a woman. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do we understand that? Mm. Our errors are enough to scar a woman. Now, I'm talking like I've done a madness, I'm not. But the reason I'm saying that, saying this is because I know there are plenty of boys who think that they are acting in a way that is not that deep. But it is. Mm. That, that, that's what I have to really talk for. It is. And that's what I'm learning because the stories that my friends give me, it's like, bro, I've been around you so much. And I would have thought that I would have been in vicinity or been able to protect you somewhat if these men were around you. But it's happened to you bears. You're telling me on nights out that we've been, that I was there, where you've been harassed, while I was turning up with the other boys and stuff like that. It's that mad. Like, Mm. it's just mad to me. Like, it it tells me, yeah, that it's too frequent and too, like, apparent for it to be something that we all need to educate ourselves on. Like, it's, it's not like you need to educate a few boys. It's all of us. We all need education. I think it's worth repeating that statistic you mentioned. So a study from UN Women found that 97% of women in the UK have experienced sexual harassment. And every single girl I know, every single one has had something. Every? Yeah. No, every. That's the crazy thing. Every. Every single one. You know, harassment is a mad thing. Back in the day, I used to think that only weirdos and pedophiles, this, that and the third. But the fact that every girl has a story... It's mm-hmm. actually kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. See, when it comes from the girl's point of view, yeah, it's that man is a creep and everybody mm-hmm. hears that. I think that could never be me. That could never be me. He but probably then, has a different recollection of and what this is what I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying. But I have to feel like, nah, from the boys, have you ever been in a situation where, how can I say, but have you ever been in a situation where it has been somewhat questionable and you have pursued or persisted? Because we've got this mentality where... The man is the hunter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then the and then the woman is the person you're going after. Sometimes even that analogy is mad. What type of lion asks this for consent to eat the deer? That makes no sense. <laughs> does, so just what, bites his ass. He just bites his ass and stuff like that. And also, that. it makes men seem like wild animals. Like, you're not what, helping seem, yourself with that analogy. Because, once again, the prey has no consent in this. The prey doesn't want to be eaten, fam. All right, let, <laughs> me, let me go left here for a second. So, asking both of you, why do you think homophobia exists? Hmm. Uh, because of I know where this is going homophobia exists among cis straight men because they're afraid of being treated how women are treated what we're talking about for most of this in most of this discussion is this innate entitlement that men seem to have over women's bodies and Mm. things like that right Mm. and this is why homophobia is is such an interesting concept because it's like you're only afraid of it because you don't want what you can do to someone else to be done to you. When I've spoken to men in the past, straight men, about homosexuality and homophobia, it was like, oh, you know, I just, I don't feel comfortable around gay men. Mm. Like, you know, I just feel like, you know, what if they tried it with me? Like, I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen to yourself. I always think that. You why do you think said. they want to chat on you, fam? Yeah, why are you want to chat on you? Every gay man <laughs> like, finds you, not every, every woman finds you peng. Yeah, every gay man will find you peng. Makes no sense, fam. And also the idea that you don't want to be the victim in that analogy. And that's why you're saying, oh, I just don't feel comfortable around gay men. Like I just, you know, if I was in locker room with this gay, I wouldn't like it. And it's just like really deep what you're saying and yeah. where that's coming from. When it comes to uh, 
you, you played rugby. Yeah, I played yeah, rugby, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. There is a sense of dominance that comes from being able to tackle another guy and then, you know, you're looking over him on the floor and stuff like that. And then knowing that when you go back into the locker room, your team's going to celebrate you. Mm. Um, there is that element of, you know, male bravado, which comes mm. through, you know, sporting endeavours. And also, like, as black men as well, I think, you know, we're Nigerian. I think pride is something which, you know, comes to us in abundance. You know mm. what I'm saying? It's like, when, especially what, like me, let's be honest, me and Jordan have a clashes on many different senses of the word. The fact that we're even sitting in the same room is is a testament to, to God progress. Is good. And yeah, exactly. God's faith. Because at the end of the day, that we've had many frank conversations about things that we've both done to each other that hurt us. Mm-hmm. And not many men feel comfortable to be expressive enough to let everyone know how they're actually feeling 100%. about things. And it manifests in different, through different channels or different forms of escapism whether it's <clears throat> alcohol drug abuse sex abuse mm. and these all like you say there is a victim at the end of this and mm. a lot of the time it's women yeah no I, I totally agree that and it's what I keep saying like it's what you learn from everything around you mm. and that's why I think that it's such a pertinent thing like we are I, like we always say to each other like we're products of our environment of our upbringing and there is so much that is inherent in male culture that is toxic how do you think your upbringing affected your idea of masculinity or what it means to be a man i mean my friends will will all kind of say this i used to be pretty cold pretty ruthless in my my relationships with people how i saw them Mm. and i think it's because looking at my role models like my dad and other nigerian men that i grew up around they didn't really show too much weakness Mm. they didn't really show any weakness really you'd never really see them i've never seen my dad cry that's what i'm saying and I remember, you know, we, me and my family went through some stuff. Like I, I lost my older sister when I was like six. And that basically, if we think about attachment styles, I'm very avoidant in general. Mm. I'd rather kind of let things go to a certain point and then eventually I'll snap. And people will be so surprised that something had annoyed me to that point that they'd almost be unaware of it. But in my head, I'm like, you did this, 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 and this, which is why I'm now this that way. so true. It's so true. But then the thing is, at the same time, though, I've had to do a lot of unlearning because I've realised, like you say, like, black is not a monolith. And I don't think masculinity is a monolith as well, mm-hmm. which means that there isn't just one way to be a man. And look, mm. in, the, in these past three years, I've cried more than I've ever cried in my entire life. And I think that's because the woman that Olivia is, she challenges me when I don't, communicate when it's easy when it's easy for me to be like you know what let me not say anything let me just stop talking and just be a bit more quiet because this has annoyed me and I don't really want to be fiery Mm -hmm. she'll be like what's wrong nothing what's wrong nothing what's wrong all right cool this this and then it's like (laughs) all right fine let's talk it out um so to go back to your to your question I say that my upbringing shaped me to realize that I need to be a lot more multi-dimensional with my emotions and feelings and also be a lot more vulnerable with them. Because when you keep everything inside, like I mentioned with the male piece of not being able to really communicate, it exposes itself through different means. And for me, I know that I have a lot of fire in my belly. Mm. Um, And the older I've got, the more I've decided to try and control that sleeping beast. Mm. And, you know, I've looked at more healthy mechanisms like Muay Thai, um, spending time reading the word, and also just being honest with the people around me about how Mm. I'm actually feeling. And that's just helped me to just be a lot more well-rounded. And that's the main thing. Like, once again, I feel like we're both advocates of men actually speaking about their mental health and speaking about what they're actually going through because mm. it's a taboo in African society to mm. actually even struggle as a man mentally. Mm. Imagine that. You're never allowed to struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. That concept is kind of mad. Like, if I'm upset at something, bruv, that's for you to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> Inside your mind, I don't tell anything. And yeah, I feel that spills out in so many, you know, 
fabulous in this conversation. Suicide rate. But not even like that. Since we don't even talk about our own emotion, why the hell we talk about other people's problems? So women mm. are going through this. I would even talk about other people and we don't even have the concept of speaking about complicated issues in ourselves. Normalise communication in general. Because if you normalise communication in general, maybe when you're with a girl, you'll maybe say, hmm, you're okay with this. Is that okay? Mm. Is that okay? Brav, I remember thinking that you're not allowed to talk about sex. You're just supposed to have it somehow. That makes no sense to me now thinking about it. Communicate. Talk about sex beforehand. Talk about... It just needs to be... What you like, what you yeah, don't Yeah, what you like. like, what you don't like. The idea of sex just needs to be talked about more because you even need to know like if someone's just not interested in that at all. So mm-hmm. you can go into a situation thinking, okay, it's off the table. That's okay as well. You know we're allowed to have relations with women that aren't sexual as well. That's one thing I actually want men to know as well. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to do that. We're allowed to have plutonic relations that on the third. But just that general communication is something that Men in general, but specifically black men, because in African culture, it's not good to talk about mental health. It's one thing that we need to unlearn. We need to unlearn that mentality that we can't talk about mental health, that we can't communicate in general. Yeah, I would say like when me and Josh first got together, he was quite taken back by the kind of conversations I have with my friends. Mm. Like me and my friends, my girlfriends, like I know their traumas. Mm. I know the skeletons in their closet. They know mine. Like Mm. they know how to support me. And... I think a lot of guys just don't have that dynamic with their friends. You know They're how like, good women are, are for boys. Us. Like, you know, these are... The mandem. Yeah. That's what it but is. But do they really deeply know you? I have this phrase that comes to mind when I think about what a relationship should be. Irrespective of female, male, paternal, maternal, child, father, whatever. Loving someone is giving them the keys to destroy you and trusting that they won't. And what mm. that means is basically... You get to see all of my scars. Let's not talk about wounds now. You get to see all of my scars. You get to see the things which have destroyed me in the past, but I'm still here. Mm. And I have to trust that you're going to use those to love me better, Mm. that you're going to treat me better. And that's how the relationship starts to build. And then those bridges are formed. Mm. And that's one thing that women have historically been better at than men, because like you said, we're trained from a young age, like, don't cry. Like, mm. even when it, when you fall over and you scab your knee, don't cry, be a man. I once up. broke my toe and my uncle told me, why are you crying? Exactly. <laughs> it's fully told me, why are you crying? It's the same kind of thing. And so I think it's really important there. So, like, it starts with the conversations you have with your man, them, with mm. your mum, with your dad. Like, I always have a point. Now, whenever I ask someone, how are you? I ask twice. Mm. Without fail, I always ask, how are you? Mm. Yeah, yeah, good. How are you? <laughs> you do, you know. Yeah, she do. Yeah, it's like, how are you? Because I know, because I know me, mm. and I know that I'm someone that you have to kind of prize me a little bit before I'll be open about mm. things that are on my mind. Because I don't like burdening people with my stuff. Mm. But I also made a point that because I know younger kids don't necessarily have that focal point of someone to relate to, that I've tried to be the person that I wish I had when I was younger. Mm. Because for so long, I wanted to be able to be open and vulnerable, but I didn't know how, and I didn't have anyone to show me. Mm. And so when I get messages from like my little sister, my cousin, from even some of my friends now, it um, it kind of just reminds me that, you know what? Like you said, it's a journey. Yeah. Like yeah. we're not the finished article. And that's mm. what I think it means to be a dope black man. It's like, so learn from you, these mistakes. Yeah, made it go around circle, full circle. Yeah. Oh, so I'm a consultant, <laughs> we have to do this. I tell stories. Yeah. But yeah, that that's just what my thinking is as well. Mm. And it's, again, it starts here. When do you think you learned to fully accept the kind of man you are? And what was that journey like? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, actually. Because um, we usually have these ideas of what it is to be a man but I kind of I found things cool 
and I wanted to be like the things I found cool. So I remember like back in the day, like during Kanye West and Jay-Z's album, where Kanye West wore like the kilt on stage and they were doing N-words in Paris. And I found that hella cool. And I found that fashion really cool as well and how like it wasn't just kind of like the kilt, it turned into like the long um long shirts that would come like really down mm-hmm. and almost kind of look like skirts almost like, like a dress yeah almost like a dress I remember yeah. ASAP Rocky even wore one so long that it kind of felt like a dress and I found that really cool but I didn't really associate that with anything else except that's the cool thing to do because I'm into music and into hip hop and stuff like that so now when I kind of like do these things how I am and dress how I am to me that's like I looked up to what was cool and it's regardless of what society said about a man I am going to do what I think is cool for me, innit? So mm. it's one of the things like, I, yeah, I just really looked up to what I found was cool. And that happened to people, that happened to be associated with like feminine stuff and what people, because a lot of people think I'm gay. A lot of people think that when they see me, how I dress, I've got my earrings and that, how flamboyant, they assume that I'm gay just because I dress this type of way and I, you know, act in a certain type of way. But really and truly, I don't think it's gay to be fashionable yeah. I, don't think yeah. I don't think it's gay to be fashionable I don't think it's gay to take care of your skin I don't think it's gay to take care of your hair I don't think it's gay just to have good hygiene because that's what I consider it if I'm mm. being honest <laughs> I consider good hygiene stuff like that so yeah like I came to just being a man just be being comfortable in what I found was cool and just doing it regardless mm. but you're owning yourself yeah I'm just myself in it so that's what me I felt like, fabulous in it I love that Josh when did you learn to I guess, accept the kind of man you are. It's a continuous process. I mean, it's more, definitely feeling a lot more comfortable in my skin as I've got older because similar to Jordan, like, I think people would look at me and assume they'd have certain assumptions, like six foot one, I claim it, six foot one. Um, <laughs> taller than that. Yeah, athletic, you know, well-built and all these things. They'd assume that, you know, there's certain connotations with that and I don't necessarily fall into that. I've kind of always been a bit left field with my music taste. Like, I'm a bit punky. I like rock. Like, some of the music I used to listen to back in the day. Cut my life into peace! And all this other kind of, like, heavy stuff. Um, that that very people much, wouldn't associate with a black man. For sure, right? But, like, that definitely influenced my style and my, my swag. Like, I love Doc Martin big boots. I love ripped jeans. I love tats. I love... You know, a bit of like edgy earrings, like the one I've got at the moment is like this hoop with some thing hanging off it. Is that a feather? Is that, I don't actually, I, I can't actually see it. Yeah, it's a feather. It's a feather, cool. And like looking to get like a nose stud at some point. Like, and I think the older I've gotten, the more I've accepted that just because I don't look how my dad looks, for example, or like how other black men in, you know, our culture look, it's, it's fine. It makes me unique. Like, I love that I've got a couple of mantras, only the bold and one of one. Because there's no one else out there that is me. So I may as well just rock my individuality. Um, and the older I'm getting and the more I'm starting to just realise that everyone is on that same path to, let's use the phrase self-actualization. It's cool. It's fun. Like, keep expressing yourself. Keep experimenting. Like, my hair's gone from afro to, like, twists to dreads to... Now it's just gone. Now it's this afro, this purple. And it's like, if my, when my mum sees it, she's going to be like, oh, God, what have you done? But... Yeah, it's just me just owning that that journey, really. I remember there was one time me and Josh went to get a pedicure, and he. Oh, you're doing this now. No, go, no, go, do it. Needed one. Oh yeah, he needed we one. Needed talents. One. My boys used to say I had talents. <laughs> yeah, we're looking mad. Pterodactyl feet. But um, at the end of it, you were like, "I want to get my toes painted," and you yeah. got them painted blue, white, and they were white the first time. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of people in the shop were a bit like. 
What's going on? Yeah, this like tall, masculine black man getting his toes painted. But like, I love that. Like, I love that you felt comfortable enough to do that because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably something you wouldn't have done five years ago. hundred. Uh, so it's kind of split. This is what I mean when I say it's like a journey. Like when I, I remember feeling a bit apprehensive when I was coming home to show my parents because they might have been like, "He's he's going a bit off the rails. He's going a bit mad. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on?" What's Olivia done to him? Like, Love that. <laughs> What's all that? But when they saw it, they just laughed because um, as I've got older again, I've always just decided to do things that I felt were right, um, even if it didn't fit into someone else's opinion of what I should be doing and whatnot. It's a journey for sure, and I'm enjoying it. I believe in growth and that we're always growing and we're always developing, yeah. But there's a lot of men that as soon as you tell them something that would help them grow, they immediately go, nah, bruv, like, what do you mean, bruv? Why are we always trying to change things, man, nowadays? Like, this, they always give an excuse about why they want to stay the same, why they want to have the same type of mentality. And that is a bit, oh, I don't want to use toxic. It's a bit ignorant to think that you are correct for everything in life mm-hmm. ever and that no person can give you a new piece of information that you can learn from especially when it's not to do with you and your gender. It's to do with someone else's experience. Mm. And that's why we need to normalise, like, growth as men. Growth. Yes, we were brought up in one way, but time has changed and now we've learned. So now let's update our software. In loads of jobs, they make you go through training again and again and again as you go through it Mm. to learn what's the latest new things. So it's the same thing we should be doing in just relationships in general. I feel like part of it is that some guys are so used to taking what men say is face value and mm. having to question everything that a girl says. Like, for example, perfect example, like, you know, the amount of times I've been in this situation or girls have been in this situation where a guy approaches you, you know, tries to get your number, whatever. You're like, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And it's not until you say you have a boyfriend, whether mm. that boyfriend exists or not, that mm. it's like, oh, okay, she's off the table. Yeah. Like, actually. because... It's like, it's not enough for her to just say no. Her opinion on its own is not valid. She needs a man to Mm. also valid what she's saying for it to be something I'm going to actually listen to. That's crazy. That's actually crazy. You know, it's not enough for me to just be like, oh no, like I'm not interested. Yeah, it's not for me to make a decision by myself. I need a man to (laughs) do... I have to now say I have a boyfriend for you to be like, okay, now I can back off. Like, no. That's a lot. I know a load of men that won't stop until they... And even if you say that, they even, you know, persist. Oh, can we be friends though? Yeah, we can be friends though. <laughs> but, it's like you're, but it's the fact that their approach changes. Something mm. changes when another man is brought into the equation, which is hella dismissive to women. It's really hella... Like, yeah. That concept is hella dismissive. It's like you won't see anyone move into to Olivia when I'm there. But as soon as there's no one there, like you said, it almost needs even my validation when I'm not even yeah. present to still be like leave her alone that's crazy I never actually thought about that that's that, that's a pertinent point and once again another thing I've learned through just talking to women but I guess that's what I mean about how there are so many little things as part of rape culture which, which people don't consider rape culture because it's so normalised and it's at the the bottom of the pyramid mm. but it's that behaviour and it's that you know normalising it in society mm. that leads to the rape and the abuse and the sexual assault I don't think it's a thing where like I don't know how to approach women anymore it's like I don't want to have to reevaluate how I mm. approach women I don't have to actually consider how I approach mm. women because I'm not doing the worst so as long as I'm doing the worst check it's like I don't do the worst so I'm okay in it mm. but it's really not that that's why I said these conversations are very important reevaluate yourself re-educate yourself and update your software you guys are looking at it with hindsight mm. and how much you've grown since you were teenagers I guess the problem is like how realistic do you think it is that young men I'm talking like 
13 to 17 year olds are actually going to digest and listen to these conversations? And if so, how do we do that? I personally am quite optimistic person. So regardless of maybe the likelihood of them listening, I still think we should volunteer information anyway. Because if there's 100 people, even if two listen, that's a win. So you're not as grown as you think you are at that age. And understand that relationships and all these type of things are mature issues that you're trying to deal with and tackle. So being with that, understand that you may not fully be equipped to do that and then try and learn, seek guidance from positive places. If you don't know what you're doing, don't assume your friend in the same age knows what he's doing either. Or don't assume that he's done enough that you can go to him for guidance. Really try and educate yourselves from the best type of figure you can find, teachers, people who can really teach you how to really engage in relationships and stuff like that. Because once again, it doesn't start from when you're 25 that you understand these things. You're learning and doing these things when you're 15, 16, 17. They're all going to shape other people's experiences. So I request you to seek guidance from people. And if you are unsure of how to do it, don't try and learn on the job or learn on the fly. Because if you make a mistake, it can scar someone else's life forever. Mm. It doesn't matter your intentions was good. It doesn't matter if like you were learning. It doesn't matter you've impacted somebody else irreversibly. I think it starts from platforms like this, right? You know, where this is what I mean by exposing some vulnerability. Hopefully we can show people that may look up to what they see from us and realise that it is a journey and to seek role models outside of what social media may tell them is the right way to conduct themselves. You know, my younger sister, for example, and my younger brother, they've learned to audit their circle, but also to audit what they're consuming because it will impact you subconsciously, whether you realise it or not. And so, you know, it starts with the conversations you're having in the changing room, you know, when you're referring to girls, like, remember that they're humans as well. Like, it's sometimes easy to forget that because you aren't in a situation where you're seeing the direct impact of some of these phrases and, you know, throwaway comments are having on, on women that it doesn't actually do any harm, as Jordan says, it actually can, can do some damaging things in the future. So I think it's um, making sure that when you are in a position to be able to check someone, make sure you do so. Like at the end of the day, you have to be your brother's keeper. Um, and it's important as well for, for women to keep talking loudly about these kind of things, loudly. And this is where, you know, we need to be, we need to be, um, What's that phrase? That's a phrase, not advocates, allies. We mm. need to be allies in this because at the end of the day, you know, we all have our friends. We all know that there's some tap guys out there because we've seen it, you know, and if you don't check them, like Jordan said, that's another person that will keep going about the way in which they're acting and not knowing the damage they're doing. And that's what I think is toxic masculinity, right? It's not being accountable for yourself. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to support the Dope Black Women movement. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook to keep up with everything we do. And for links to support and information on some of the topics we covered today, check out the episode description. And if you're a black man listening who wants to join our community, there is Dope Black Men and Dope Black Dads. So definitely check that out. Until next week, stay blessed and unapologetically black.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 